Hallelujah. Let's, uh, let's remain standing for a moment. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your presence. Oh, we invite you to do whatever needs to be done in our lives. I thank you, Father, for change. Father, we open our ears to the hearing of your word. We open our hearts, Father, to the moving of your spirit. I thank you that after today we will never be the same again. I thank you, Father, that you anoint us, equip us, Father, to do what we are called to do. I thank you, Father, that we will no longer be stagnant, that we will no longer just maintain. I thank you, Father, that we will advance. I thank you, Father, that we move up higher. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. After today, we will never be the same again. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's give the Lord a good shout. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, first of all, it's, uh, it's an honor for me uh, to be here. Um, I don't take it lightly. It's always, uh, it's always an honor to speak to God's people. It's great to be here. Um, of course, it was sad what, uh, what happened to Pastor Dwayne. A miracle came out of it, so that was good. But I must say that it was great to have Pastor Joel and, uh, and the team uh, in the church. They did a great job. Your pastor did an awesome job. Uh, people love, uh, our people love her. And, uh, and, and hopefully she'll be back again. And we, had a, we had a really good time. Um, so a lot of gratitude in my heart to be here today. I'm, uh, I'm going to move very quickly, though. Um, I, I know that some people are probably in a hurry, but uh, I want you to just like me just to take off your watch and kind of forget what time it is. All right. Okay. Oh God is going to be long. No, I want you to forget time because that means if I only preach 10 minutes, you don't know I only preach 10 minutes. I didn't say it was going to be long. Uh, I just don't want us to think too much about, about time at the moment. Um, you know, what I, what I felt is, uh, is before the service is that there's a real, uh, there's a real uh, spirit of comfort here. Let me turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you have your Bible, please turn there. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I love the Bible, by the way. You love the Bible? Well, you're not very excited. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1. I love the Bible because the Bible has a solution for every problem. I love the Bible because there's power in it. Amen. There is power in it. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, Who comforts us in all... Well, let's start in verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. I could feel the spirit of comfort when I, when I came in here, but I felt this to say before I was even in the service. There's a real spirit of comfort here. The Bible says that he is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, but the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I believe there's a spirit of comfort here, but I also believe that, uh, that we need to move on. There's also a spirit of deliverance and a spirit of breakthrough. So today, I'm not going to be very pastoral if that's okay with you. Pastor is best in being the pastor, right? Your pastor is the best 
in being your pastor. There's nobody better for you than him as being a pastor. But today, I don't really want to move into pastoral. I believe in the spirit of breakthrough and the spirit of deliverance. And some of you, you've been maintaining, you've been stagnant in certain places, and it is time that there's a breakthrough that so that you move on from the place where you are now to the place where you need to be. Some of you, you've been in a place for quite a while, and you're almost content with where you are. Well, this is where I need to be. This is probably where I'm at. No, God wants you to move on. God wants you to go further. So I believe today for the spirit of breakthrough and the spirit of deliverance. Amen. Um, things are, are we, we live in an exciting time. Uh, you can, if you read the news too much, you get all depressed and you get, oh my God, what kind of time are we living in? The thing is, the reason, the reason why it's an exciting time is because we live in the age of the miraculous. And if we start moving in the miracle working power of God, and I don't only mean in church on Sunday morning, but just in our personal lives, we wouldn't be so uh, set full of fear because of all the, the surrounding news. Yeah, a lot of bad stuff is happening in the world. That's darkness. Say, there's a lot of bad news out there. That's because they don't have any good news to preach. Right? We are called to preach the good news. That means the only news that's left for them is the bad news. So if you pay attention too much to what the world has to say, you're going to be all down, negative and depressed. And you're like, oh my God, you have to come back today. Right? So I think it's an exciting time. Even with the election, I'm not going to talk politics now, even though I, I like it. I like to talk about them, and I'm ta- not talking about that. You can get all depressed if you follow everything. Don't get depressed. We have good news. Amen? So the, dark, the darker it gets in the world, the more chance we have to shine brighter. So don't worry about it. You need to be focused on what you are called to do. You are called to shine the light. You are not called to be depressed. You're not called to be part of the world. We live in an exciting time. This is the age of the miraculous. And I sense even change coming for this church. I believe in good things for this church. Amen. These are exciting, exciting, exciting times. Now, my message today, I might have spoken about this I don't, I don't know when, when I was here, about a year and a half ago, I think, when I gave a, a, a short testimony of what God was doing. And, and I might have spoken about this, um, but I'm, I, I want to go into uh, the book of Nehemiah. Exciting things are happening uh, in Holland. Uh, Holland is also a place that is in darkness. But as I just said, I believe that when a place is in darkness, we have a great chance to show people how great God is. God is a good God, and that's what this world needs to know. Amen? So, uh, yeah, exciting things from, uh, from our church. Uh, you know, it's always good to hear that God is doing miracles. Most of the miracles that we hear about are something that God did in church. But I love it when the people of God move out in power because that's what the church is called. It's not just, uh, we're not just called to have powerful services and to have miracles in the services. But for me, the greatest testimony is when I hear that our people are moving out and and doing signs and wonders where they are at. Uh, So we have testimonies in our church. uh, uh, Particularly, I I think about one guy. um, He is uh, now the head of our evangelism, um, and, and the reason why he's the head of our evangelism is because he, uh, he's a, he has a hair salon, and so that's a, that's a, good, a good job when you want to preach the gospel, because they can't go anywhere. 
We have another guy. He's a taxi driver. Perfect, because they can't go anywhere. They're in there. What are they going to do? Jump out? Right? So they're stuck. So they just, they just preach the gospel. I love it. So this, this, this guy, he's very bold. Now, it's his place of business, so he won't, he won't offend them. But he sees, of course, when people have a certain issue, when they have trouble. So he gets people healed right in his hair salon. And I don't mean like once every, you know, year or something. No, like pretty much every week we have testimonies. He is embarrassed because every week he comes to me and he says, I have a testimony again or several testimonies. He has to pick from them. And that's the life that God has for you. God has a miraculous life for you. He wants you to do miracles in other people's lives. That's why you are in the place where you are. You have neighbors, right? So, you have, pl- you have people in your place of business. You have people at your work. You have pl- people at, at your, your school. You have people in your street that need you, that need you. But the thing that stops us the most is fear, right? Or what if God doesn't do anything? Anyways, that will come a little bit in this message. It's not particularly what I want to teach about, but that is part of the message. Let's turn to the book of Nehemiah. I like Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a book of building, a book of building, and it's good for when you're building a church, but it's also good for when you're building your life. So I want to take some lessons from the book of Nehemiah and to see the struggles that Nehemiah had, the desires that he had, the opposition that was there, and the enemy that he was facing. So let's turn in, let's turn to uh, Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20. Nehemiah 2 verse 20, because I want to start with something positive, and we're going to end with something positive, but in the middle, sometimes there's a sandwich of not so good stuff. For me, that's pickles. I'm not a fan of pickles. So any hamburger with pickles, I'm like, who puts pickles in a hamburger? Okay, then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. If you have questions, how are you going to prosper? And I'm not just talking about your finances. I'm just talking about having success in life, having a good life, having a positive life, having a miraculous life, have a life that's going up and not down because you are called to be the head and not the tail. You are called to go up and not down. Amen. So how is that going to happen? Well, I didn't study. I don't know what I need to do to become prosperous. It says the God of heaven, he will prosper us. So where's your trust in? Is your trust in your background? Is your trust in your capabilities and your abilities and your talents? Or is your trust in the God of heaven? He will prosper us. Therefore, we are his servants. We'll arise and build. Amen? Okay, who has to arise? Because we like, we like to read verses where God arises. And that's why, let God arise. And we're like, yeah, all happy because God's going to do everything for us. No, it says we need to arise and we need to build, right? Now, so there's work for us to do. That's what I'm saying. I'm not very pastoral today. I'm telling you to get up and start building, right? Time for sitting down is over. It's time to get up and start building. Yeah, but you don't know my past. No, that's what pastor is for. I don't need to know your past. What I'm telling you, I'm telling you to get up and build. Yeah but, yeah, but you don't know how hard it is. Everyone has a story. Trust me, I do know how hard it is. I don't know your situation, but everything that I have not gone through, I've heard. I'm a pastor too. I know. The stories that I hear, sometimes it's horrible. But the fact remains, we need to get up 
and start building. We need to get up and believe that the God of heaven will prosper us. Amen. Today is a message about building. It's about building the kingdom of God. And it's also about building your life. It's about building your business. It's about building your marriage. And it's about building church. I believe in a strong and victorious church. I believe in a strong and victorious life. I believe that God designed us for 100% victory 100% of the time. That doesn't mean you're a bad person when it's not 100%. What I mean is it's God's plan for you to live in 100% victory 100% of the time. Now, we're on our way to that, but we need to believe for it. Amen? It doesn't mean that there's no challenges. Actually, there's a lot of challenges, and I want to talk about some of those challenges today. Let's read Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, so that we understand what Nehemiah wanted to do. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Well, that sounds like the church to me today. This sounds like the church to me today. But I definitely know that sometimes this sounds like someone's life. It feels like your life has been set on fire, that the gates have been torn down. It feels like you've been attacked. And then it says in verse uh, 4, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept. That's what a lot of people do. They sit down and they weep. Nothing wrong with that. It's okay. But they stop there. They sit down and they weep. And they still are seated down. And they're still weeping. And it says, and, he mour- and I mourned certain days, right? Not for the rest of my life. I mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So you see that he didn't just sit down and cry. It says that he mourned, that he fasted for certain days. Why? Because he said, something needs to be done about this. So I read verse 20 of chapter 2 first, but that's after this. He heard this news. He heard bad news. Like some people, they have some bad news in their own lives or in someone else's lives. Or they look at the world. They look at America and they say, oh my God, when is help going to come? Well, guess what? You are the help that you're looking for. Right? We're looking for God's help and he is looking for us to be the instrument of revival. We're asking God, oh God, do something in America. And he says, exactly. He's like, God, give us a solution. You are the solution, right? You are the instrument in God's hands. So Nehemiah, he didn't just sit down and weep. No, he asked God, and then he asked his king to be sent to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. Now, there's walls that we need to rebuild. Either build the, uh, the walls of our lives or build the walls of the church. Nehemiah chapter 4. That's the verses that I want to use for the rest of the message. Now, the devil, he wants us just to weep and to, uh, weep and to cry about a situation. He wants us to lay back and wait for a blessing. So many people, they love being in church. They are Christians, and they said, Oh, God, when are you going to help me? When are you going to get through? When are you breaking through? When is my blessing going to come? They wait for their blessing, and the devil loves it. 
The devil loves it when we sit back and wait for the blessing. Read chapter 4, verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sambalat heard that we build the wall, that he was wroth and took great indignation and he mocked the Jews. Whenever you start building something that is worthwhile, the enemy will get angry. He won't just get upset. He will get furious. He will start foaming from the mouth and start mocking you. That's what it says here. Whenever you start building something that's worthwhile, it's not just that the enemy will come against you. He will start mocking you. And those ideas, those thoughts, because one of the main areas where the devil attacks you is in your mind, right? And you feel that mockery. You feel, you hear the words that he is mocking you with. And our job is not to agree with the words that the enemy is speaking. So don't agree with the ideas that the devil is putting in your mind. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking, for example, about failure. The devil will put ideas of failure that you are not going to make it. Listen to these next few words in verse 2. And he spoke before his brethren and the armies of Samaria. And he said, what do these feeble Jews, what do these feeble Jews, what are they doing? Then it says, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? These are five questions and five challenges that the enemy will also bring to you. Whenever we're building something, these five questions, these five challenges or five attacks will come to you. Those I will talk about. Then it says in verse 3, Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. And he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Right? These are the attacks of the enemy. This is what the devil wants to do to you. These questions, these challenges will come your way. I look at the church and I see that walls have been pulled down. I look at people's lives and I see they've been attacked. That they, they need to get up and start building again. But they've lost hope. The church, if I look at the church in a whole, we lost a lot of our influence. We lost a lot of our influence in the world. And in fact, it's the world that has a lot of influence in the church. We start, I don't know where we, where we started doing that, listening to the world, how we should do church. It's amazing to me that we are listening to the secular world, what we should believe and what we should do. Who in the world are they? Right? Well, you need to be more modern. Why? Why? The word never changes. The word of God will always remain the same. Now, the things that the Bible does not talk about, we can change that. So we can change our clothes. I'm glad that I don't have to dress like they did 2,000 years ago. I don't look good in a dress. Right? I am glad that we don't have to sing the same songs and sing them in the same way as 600 years ago. I remember we were in the Ukraine, my wife and I, years ago, and we wanted to go to a symphony. We wanted to go to a, a concert, and we told the people in, the, in Kiev that, and they booked us some tickets somewhere. And we come to that place, and it's like an old church, and I think it was Bach, right? It was a Bach concert, but it was only organ, only church organ. And I'm like, oh, my God, it was so boring. We left in the break. And when there was an intermission, we took off. 
We're like, what in the world did they take us to? And I'm like, I'm glad that we don't only have that. The Bible doesn't say we can only have that kind of music. So those things you can modernize. You can modernize the way you dress. You can modernize the way you do church, the way you dress it up. But you don't modernize the word of God. That remains the same. It is settled. We don't change it. We don't change it according to culture, right? Culture needs to be influenced by the word. We need to influence the world. No, now we're trying to be all things to all men. We're just trying to be uh, open to everyone. I'm open to everyone. God is open to everyone. But it doesn't mean I change my ways. We need to live the way God tells us to live. Anyways, the first attack that came towards Nehemiah when they started rebuilding the walls is this first question in verse 2. These feeble Jews, the first attack was, what are these feeble Jews doing? The first attack that will come to you when you're building something, when you're advancing something, when you're working towards something, is you are weak. That's the first attack. You're not good enough. You are not going to make it. Many people don't start something new because they are afraid they're going to fail. Many people don't start a business because they're afraid they're going to fail. Well, guess what? If you're afraid to fail and because of that you don't start, you already failed. Because if you don't start, you're never going to finish it. It's better to try it than and fail. Right? I like... I don't know if the number is correct, and I think it was, uh, was it Thomas Edison? Uh, was it Thomas Edison that, uh, you know, they, they asked him, how many times did it take you? And he said a thousand times or something, right? A thousand times to invent the light bulb. And they said, oh, how does it feel to fail 999 times? He said, I didn't fail 999 times. I know 999 ways not to invent a light bulb. So all the things, all the failures that we have, we shouldn't see as, as failures. Those are the building blocks that we use to build our success with. If you fail, it's just a way that you know that you shouldn't be doing it. It's that simple. But the first attack is, what are these weak Jews doing? The first attack of the enemy is to say that you are not good enough. You're never going to make it. You are going to fail. He sows fear in your heart so that you'll never start. Or you're afraid to move on. Even when I talk about doing miracles in your street, you're like, what if it doesn't work? Okay, so what if it doesn't work? Suppose that someone is dying and you pray for them and they don't get healed. So what? They didn't get worse. I assume. Right? But we think about ourselves. What will they think about us? You know what they think? At least someone cares enough to pray for me. That's what they will think. But we hesitate because we believe in the lie of the devil. That we're not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough. Gideon, when God called him to set Israel free, Gideon says, oh, but I'm from a poor family. What does that have to do with it? I told you to set Israel free, not to buy Israel. Right? But we always come with excuses because we agree with the lies of the devil. What are these feeble Jews doing? Who do you think you are that you can do something good? And you start believing those lies. That's how he will stop you. We are afraid. But the Bible says that he who started a good work in you will also complete it. You are not going to fail in life. Just start agreeing with what God said about you, that you are the head and not the tail. That you are more than a conquering Christ Jesus. That nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
Amen? You are more than a conqueror. The evil one will touch me not, John said. The evil one will touch me not. We have more faith in what the devil can do than faith in the one who comforts us. He is for you and not against you, but you need to agree on something. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. Fear is agreeing with what the devil says about you. And faith is agreeing with what God says about you. Some people say, yeah, I have faith. Okay, faith in what? Well, I have faith in God. Okay, you need to be more specific. What do you believe? Because that's what shows you if you really believe or not. Okay, you believe in Jesus as your Savior. That's great. That works for you. That part works for you. But you need to believe more than just that. You need to agree with what he says about you. And this is where you will get victory because some of you, you don't think you're good enough even though the Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Many of you, you think that you have added blessings because you became a Christian. So you added blessings to your life. You didn't add blessings to your life. You are a new creature. The Bible says we are a new creation. We are no longer the same. It's not added blessings. We are completely changed, completely different. You are not a part of a son of God. You are a son of God. You are a son of God. You are the head and not the tail. Well, I definitely don't feel like it. No, you have to agree with what God says. Right? If I look at myself, I'm like, oh, my God. And I see all the failures. And I see uh, the few things that I'm really good at. I pretty much, I don't know. There might be people that are worse off. But I pretty much have no talents. I have like three talents. I always say I can count them on one hand. But I don't even need my whole hand. I don't have many talents. But that's okay. I don't feel bad about myself because I died anyways. It's no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. So this is, this is what I believe in. Now, there's a few things that I'm good at. So I can do actions pretty good, but I can't really use it for anything. I am Dutch, but at least I can speak English. Because if I speak Dutch like a, or if I speak English like a Dutch person, I would sound uh, like this. Yeah, I'm uh, very happy to, uh, yeah, to, uh, to be in Horizon Church. And... Uh, you know, I, I really, uh, really appreciate your, your pastor. So you're like, what, the, what in the world is going on here? So I'm glad I'm good at accents so I can use that talent. But other than that, I don't really have many talents. So thank God that he called me because otherwise I would not, would not have known what to do with my life. Right? Some people are good athletes or they're good singers. I can sing, but I would never be a professional singer. I, well, I can't run anymore, but I used to be able to run. That day will come again, but, right? But I would have never made any money with it, so I'm glad that God called me, right? So start believing what God said about you. You are not feeble. You are not weak. The Bible says what you should say. We have glorified weakness in church. We have agreed with the lies of the devil. Why? Even when we sing a song, we say, let the weak man say I'm strong. I hate that song. It makes no sense because the way we're singing it, let the weak man say I'm strong. You're not believing it. By the way, that's not what the Bible says. Okay, you have to listen to what I say. The Bible says, let the weak man say I'm strong. Yeah, you see? No, listen. Let the weak man say I am strong. Yeah, that's what I'm singing. Let the weak man say I'm strong. (sighs) 
Let me put it this way. The Bible says, Rolf, if you are weak, say, I am strong. What are we doing? We're repeating the weak part. That's not what it told you to do. It told you to say, I am strong. But we say, oh, let the weak man say, I'm strong. You don't believe it. You're not agreeing. You're just going through the motions. You're just being a parrot and you're just repeating something that you think you should be saying. It says the solution to your weakness is not talking about your weakness. The solution to your weakness is agreeing what God said about you. And you need to say, I am strong. Amen. So don't stop building. This is an attack of the enemy to tell you that you're not good enough and that you're not going to make it. I am here to prophesy to you that you will not fail. You are going to make it. The devil is a liar. We need to get angry at him. Stop being so nice. Be nice to people, but get upset at the devil. Have some foam on the mouth once in a while. Start spitting a little bit, right? Be nice to people. The devil loves lazy people, people that don't get themselves up. But God loves spiritual entrepreneurs that just get themselves up. The Bible says one of the most important verses to me in the Bible is David encouraged himself. Some people, they complain, when nobody is encouraging me. I know. I have the same thing. And it would be nice. So cry for half a day or something, you know, have a big bucket of ice cream and, oh, God, nobody loves me. Right? It's okay, whine for a little bit, but then start saying, okay, David encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord, so that's what I'm going to do. We wait for something to come to us. We say, oh, God, strengthen me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, encourage me. No, David encouraged himself in the Lord, right? So it's us that need to be doing something. Instead of laying back and waiting for God to do something in our life, get up and do something. Arise. Don't let God arise. You arise. Arise for your light has come. What does that mean? Arise. Your solution has come. Arise. Right? It's not just light. I mean, light is nice, but in some situations, I'm like, well, light's not going to help me. I need a solution, right? So that's what it means to me. That verse, when I read that, arise, your light has come. I'm like, yeah. I need to arise because my solution has come. And if I don't arise, I miss my solution. It's the same thing as, you know, we're flying by airplane. You flew from, from, from Hawaii, right? At a certain point, they call, you know, that, you're, that you need to board. If you don't get up, you're going to miss your plane. Arise for your plane has come. So arise because your solution has come. If you, if you stay seated, you're going to miss your solution. So stop agreeing with the lies of the devil. Okay, number two, because otherwise there's no way I'm going to be able to finish this today. I could say a lot more just about this point. This could be a whole series, you know, how to believe that God made you strong. You are not feeble. You are not weak. You're not a failure in life. God never called you a failure. Never, ever, 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 ever. Don't agree with the lies of the devil, right? You're very quiet. Okay, number two. It says, can they fortify themselves or can they make themselves strong? All these, all these points are interrelated, so I might say some of the same things. The, the enemy says, can you make yourself strong? 
So what are you doing to prepare yourself? What are you doing to make yourself strong? A lot of times when we've heard a prophecy in the past, right? We're waiting for the day that that prophecy will come to pass. A prophecy is given now before it happens so you can prepare for that day that it happens. Right? So, okay, so if we're talking about a vacation to Hawaii, right? So if a vacation to Hawaii is prophesied, why is it prophesied? So you can get your ID, your federal ID, so you can actually fly, so you can buy a suitcase and buy goggles and swimming trunks or whatever you're going to buy. I don't know what you're going to do. But so you can prepare for the trip. Buy some sunscreen. I definitely need sunscreen because otherwise I would look like a lobster, right? But you need to prepare yourself. So a lot of people, they've received words of encouragement. They, they heard words of what God is going to do in their lives, but they're not doing anything about it. If God prophesied to you that you're going to start a church in Mongolia, then now is the time to start learning the language. Start learning about the culture. Prepare. If God prophesied businesses to you, okay, learn something about that business. You need to be the best at your business. But a lot of times, Christians are very lazy. We're just laid back. Oh, God's going to do it all. No, he prophesied it. Now you need to get up. Can they fortify themselves? Can they make themselves strong? What are you doing to make yourself strong? Again, the Bible says, let the weak men say I'm strong. But the Bible also teaches us how we can make ourselves strong. Right? Not by waiting. It's not by waiting around. The Bible says that we make ourselves strong, that we build ourselves up in our most holy faith by praying in other tongues, by praying in the Spirit. So how much are you praying in the Spirit? Oh, I don't like praying in the Spirit. I don't understand it. Exactly. That's why you need it. Because we always want to understand everything. No, it's time for you to pray in the Spirit. Right? Some of you, you're really looking at me like... "Mm -hmm." Okay, so there's different ways. The Bible says there's diversities of tongues, right? So there's different ways that we can pray in tongues. I can walk through a grocery store and I can pray very simple. Just because I'm not going to go all wild there because they'll think I'm nuts. So I'll just go. But it doesn't build me very strong. That's like building with pebbles, right? But if I really want to build my life strong, I'm going to pray stronger. I'm like, Why? I'm not in warfare. I'm building a fortress. I want to, I want to be a fortress that the enemy cannot penetrate. I don't want to build a wall with straw. I want to, want to build a wall with big rocks so the enemy cannot come in, right? Same thing with the word of God. The word of God makes me strong, If you abide in me and my word abides in you. Amen. That's what the Bible says. The Bible also says, he who abides under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, so I need to go to the secret place. Right? I need to go to the secret place. The secret place of prayer and worship to make myself strong. I believe in Psalms 91. I absolutely believe in complete 100% protection. All the time. I do not believe in accidents. Did I ever have one? Yes. No, but it's, it's not his fault. Psalms 91 works if I do what Psalms 91 says. Right? I need to go to the secret place. So if you want to make yourself strong, go to the secret place. Seek his face. Seek his face. That's how you make yourself strong. Abide in the secret place. Don't just visit once in a while. Abide in the secret place. And I loved it when they came out with smartphones. Actually, when they, I first had my Palm, my Palm Pilot, 
I still remember that. I had a reminder on my phone every hour. And a, and a sound will go off, ding, ding, and it would irritate me because I was busy. What's this? Who's messaging me? And then I would look at it, and it was a, every hour I had the same thing. And I said, practice his presence. So what, what it caused me to do, I don't have that anymore, but what it caused me to do is just close my eyes and just stretch my hand for 10, 15, maybe 20 seconds. I say, Lord, I acknowledge your presence. Lord, you are in my life. I know you are with me. You never leave me. You never forsake me. Your presence is here. I thank you that you helped me. And it made myself strong. It made me realize the presence of God is always with me. Fortify yourself. Make yourself strong. So yes, don't believe the lies of the devil, number one. But number two, do something to make yourself strong. Prepare yourself, right? Build yourself up with the word of God and with prayer. Then the third thing in verse 2, it says, will they sacrifice Will they sacrifice? Because if you want to build something worthwhile, it will take an effort. It will take an effort. It will take sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? Sacrifice is giving more than what you are comfortable with. And that could be money. That could be energy or time that you put in something. Uh, The Bible says the sacrifice of praise, right? Right? You might, you might come in here and say, I don't want to praise today. I'm cranky. I don't want to praise. I'm going to sit down. Okay? What is the sacrifice of praise? Is when you get up anyways, lift your hands and start saying, Father, but I love you. I thank you for the great things you are doing in my life. That's the sacrifice of praise. When you start doing it, even though you don't feel like doing it. It doesn't feel comfortable. It's a sacrifice. Can you sacrifice? Can you sacrifice? If you want to build something worthwhile, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you all of these things. It's a sacrifice of praise, but it's a sacrifice of effort or service. It's a sacrifice of money. It takes sacrifice, right? It takes sacrifice. The attack was, can they sacrifice? And your answer should be, yeah, I can sacrifice. I can sacrifice my praise. I can sacrifice my finances. I can sacrifice my time. Success doesn't just come. You have to prepare for it. You have to pay the price for it. And God gave you the keys to do so. Be a giver. I love giving financially. I love it. Some people, you know, let me talk about money again. Talk about money. It's okay. No, it's okay with me. Why? Because I believe in sacrifice. I believe in it. I have no problem with it. Now, I determine what I'm going to give. I'm not going to have anyone decide what I should do. And if I don't want to give in an offering, I don't give in an offering. But we all should be sacrificial even in our financial giving. To build this church, you need more than just be okay with your giving. You need to be someone who sacrifices. You need to be a giver. Amen. My wife and I, we are givers. We have a, a spiritual father in, in, in Miami. And when we go there, we don't only uh, sow into the church. We sow into his personal life. We sow into his life because I want to have what he has. I want to sacrifice. Now, I could use that money to go on vacation. But I want to sacrifice. Amen? Well, we talk about money and you, all of a sudden you become Dutch. Now, I love talking about finances because it talks about sacrifice. But the same thing, other people, they, have, they find it easier to give money, but they don't want to give their time. But we need to sacrifice in that too. So other people, they have a problem with praising God. Okay, we need to be sacrificial in every area of our life. Amen? Okay, the fourth thing. I really need to hurry up. The fourth thing that the enemy says is, can they finish in a day? 
Okay, this one, to me, in this whole list of accusations of attack, is the most stupid one. Right? They start building the wall, and the enemy comes and says, can they finish in a day? No. Why do you need to finish in a day? Why? Right? So, when you're building your marriage, the devil mocks you and it's like, well, you think you can finish in a day? No. But people say, yeah, it's true. I can't finish in a day. After a while, they, they find out that building something worthwhile takes an effort. They've done these first few things, but then they see that it takes time to build something good, that they have to keep building at it, and then they give up. No, you can't give up. You have to finish what you started. Just because you started something is not good enough. It's not going to finish itself, but it's okay. You don't have to finish today as long as you're working on it. As long as you're building the wall, as long as you're working on finishing that wall, you are doing what you should be doing. Amen? Then it says, can they revive the stones that were burned? I love this one. The Bible says in Isaiah 61 verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. If your walls are burned down, if they're torn down, then I believe today for restoration. I believe for complete restoration. Now, everyone will have to deal with these kind of things in their lives one way or another. You will have to get victory. And it's a message for the church in general, not only for your personal lives. It's also for this, because God's plan for this church didn't end right here. This is not what this church is called to do. You're called to be here, not here. It's great that you're here, but I don't like the spirit of maintenance. Right? We're just maintaining where we're at. Right? We're just maintaining where we're at. We don't want to maintain what we have. We want to progress. We want to take the promised land. And after we take the promised land, we want more land. We increase, right? So we continually progress. We continually push our boundaries and say, we want more. We want to go further, right? We don't want to maintain. And we say, but we like what we have. I'm not telling you to lose that spirit of comfort. I'm not telling you to lose that. No, you need to keep that. It's wonderful that people can come here, can cry, and be comforted. But for me, when I have a problem, yeah, I want to be able to go to someone and cry. But I don't only want to cry. I want a solution. Otherwise, next week, I'm crying again. Right? The Bible says, hope deferreth make the heart sick. So I want the spirit of breakthrough in my life. The Bible says he is the Lord of the breakthrough. The Bible says in Exodus 15, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. I don't only want a shepherd. I want the Lord as a warrior on my side. I want every enemy in my life to be defeated. I want him utterly destroyed. I want him humiliated. Every enemy in my life must be humiliated. He must see how great God is. And I'm not satisfied until I see that. That's the spirit that you need to have in you and say, yes, my life is meant for so much more than what I have now. This church is meant for so much more than we have now. I, can't, I, I cannot go on, but uh, there's other verses in, in Nehemiah chapter 6 where the enemy sees that they're really progressing with the walls. And then they, they come to Nehemiah and say, oh, 
You didn't listen to our threats. Let now, let's, let's try to talk to each other. Right? Let's try to talk to each other. The valley of oh no. And what does Nehemiah say? Oh no. I'm not coming. Because the work that I'm doing is too important. I'm not called to be nice. I'm not called to be polite. I'm called to build. God has called you to build. God has called you to have breakthrough in your life. I believe God wants to do a miracle in your life. Okay, so, so I'm going to ask pastor to come up in a minute. But after that, I want to pray for you. But I also want you to prepare because I'm not going to pray the prayer of comfort over you. No, it's okay. I'm not, seriously, I'm not against the spirit of comfort. We need it. Right? But that is already very strong. So I'm leaving the comfort to other people. But I'm going to pray the prayer of breakthrough and deliverance off of you. So every spirit that binds you, that's holding you back, that's stopping you from progressing, that's stopping you from inheriting your promised land to be broken off of your life. Every spirit of mediocrity and every spirit of depression will be broken in the name of Jesus. We will not tolerate it any longer. Amen. Amen. Okay, let me pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We seal this word. We thank you, Father, that this whole week, this word will continue to build in our lives. We thank you, Father, for what you are doing. We thank you for the spirit of the miraculous, the spirit of breakthrough and deliverance today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, you are a warrior. We thank you for the spirit of breakthrough right now. We thank you for the spirit of deliverance over the people today. Father, over this church today. Father, I acknowledge and I thank you, Father, for who you have placed here. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for the love, for the strength, Father, of Pastor Dwayne. I thank you, Father, for the strength of Pastor Joel. I thank you for the anointing that is here. Father, I thank you for what you have done in their lives. Father, and the sacrifices year after year that they have made. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that they have risen above discouragement, Father. That they have continued to build and they kept building the wall. Father, and they kept building the wall. Father, in the name of Jesus, I can see. Father, I can see in the spirit them building a wall and the enemy tearing pieces of the wall down and faithfully they keep on building. And the enemy sets certain parts of the wall on fire and faithfully they keep building. Father, not because it is joyful, because it is what you have called them to do. And they build 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 and they build. No matter which enemy was sent their way, Father, they kept on building. They continued on building. But I thank you, Father, today is a new day. Today is the day of breakthrough. Today is the day that the enemy is going to be defeated in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. No longer maintenance. No longer maintenance. No longer maintenance. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. Today is the day, Father, of the promised land. I thank you, Father. Father, that Moses, your servant, is dead. Now, Father, Joshua is anointed. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for that spirit to arise. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that right at this moment, I thank you right at this moment, Father, for an impartation of that attitude, an impartation of that spirit in every member of this church. Father, the heart of a warrior, the heart of a warrior. Father, 
we thank you for the heart and the spirit of comfort. Father, for the heart and spirit of love, which is our foundation. But now we thank you, Father, for the heart of a warrior, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for a multiplication of what you've put. Father, also in, in Pastor Joel's life. A multiplication, Father. Father, from her, an impartation from her. Father, to the people of the church in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for that prophetic age. We thank you in the name of Jesus for that prophetic age in Jesus' name. Father, I break off every discouragement of members in the church. Every discouragement and depression and oppression, I break its power. Okay, if that witnesses to you, if you are, if you feel in any way depressed or oppressed, suppressed, if you feel that your your victory has been held back, I invite you to come forward. If there's a miracle that you need in your life, I want you to come forward and come quickly. But don't expect the spirit of comfort. Expect the spirit of breakthrough right now. Pastor Kiana, can you come? Just come to the front like here. All right. Lift up your hands in worship. I don't want you to be casual about this. I want you to seek the presence of God. I want you to press in. I want you to press in. I want you to go after his presence. Go after his presence right now. Come on, close your eyes. Don't wait for us to come and pray for you. Go and seek his presence right now. Press in. Come on. Press in. Press in. Press in. Press in. Press in. Hallelujah, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we break off the spirit of oppression, depression in Jesus' name.